Okay. Hello. Hello. Meat base number four. Episode four. Can you believe it? I I cannot. Well, I mean, like, yeah, I can't believe it. Like, we're here doing this <laughs> and we like <laughs> doing it. <laughs> so of course. let's go. Um, yeah, well, I wanted to tell you, I have been going to your sauna place. So Josh recommended a sauna place and not just a sauna place, an infrared sauna place. Um, where basically like, and anyways, I can't get into the differences right now, but if you can do infrared, do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been going to the sauna place. Right. And in the beginning I was able to do like a full hour, like we could do like 50 minutes, but as we've continued and we're getting into like session six and seven, right. I start like sweating. Like I would on minute 45 at like mm. minute 20. So I talked to the lady and she said that that's normal. Your body gets acclimated. They know you're going to be in the sauna. And so your body starts sweating sooner. So because mm. I thought it was interesting to share. Yeah. Because I initially thought that I had a problem because I literally, mine also just got worse. Like I thought you were supposed <laughs> to get better. So towards. No, it's the opposite. Exactly. Towards like session, towards like session 10, actually just before I left for South Africa it was getting to a stage where like I would go in for like 20 minutes and I'd be like, Oh my gosh, this is unbearable. Like I need to, I need to, I need to get out of here. I'm like suffocating. Yeah. (laughs) No. So it's actually just to clarify Mm. because you thought we were like so hardcore. We're not hardcore at all. Um, I was able to go in for 40 minutes this time, but like the last five minutes I was kind of like, I don't feel like, good anymore I'm kind of just like like Mm. I'm like I'm kind of dying Mm. I will say that I did have an experience where I went into a sauna with a woman Uh, my friend Marina she's French and she came to stay with us and she was supposed to sign up online like her own cabin you know because you go in these cabins and it's like if you want to know the person like really well like you want it to be a significant other that you're Mm. staying next to because you guys are just like sweating like crazy right and like you're naked and you're just like oh oh like you know um so we go and like marina's reservation didn't actually go through so she actually didn't have a reservation taylor's like you know what marina you go with nicole and you you do the two-person one with nicole like it'll be fine i'll just go home and take the train so he leaves and like i think this is like my first time having marina stay over so like (laughs) we're kind of like new friends, you know? And I just remember being like, oh, I got extra towels. And I'm like, like, cause they give you one towel and it's literally the smallest towel in the world. Do you know what I'm talking about? How like that sauna has, like, (laughs) they literally give you like a paper towel. Yeah, (laughs) They're like, it's just meant to cover your balls and your boobs, like balls or boobs. You got to choose. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So like I got more towels and then I went in there and I was like, cool. So we can like put this around our waist and then we can drape a towel over our boobs. And it was fine, but I've gone with Taylor since and like, we're just not on the same page with like, we either want relaxing music or he wants to listen to like a business podcast. We're not really on the same page with what we Mm. want to do in the sauna. Um, So anyways, we're figuring that out, but let me just tell you the sauna as we discovered, as Josh has discovered, it gets harder to stay longer, the more you do it. So it's, it's nuts. It's nuts. And yeah, 
from what I, from the, the very primitive research that I've done, um, basically infrared sauna, the best way to think of it is think of, think of it like a microwave. You're basically getting like microwaved at the cellular level. So there's no, it's not like a steam sauna where steam sauna, it's literally the air is like hot and yeah, it's, you can feel the, the, the water vapor, like basically touching your skin and it feels like you're in this big, you feel, you feel like you're being suffocated by like a, uh, like a cloth, a warm cloth. Whereas like the infrared sauna, it's the strangest feeling because the air is not like misty or steamy, but you yeah. are literally sweating your balls off. You're literally sitting there and you just, you, it's just getting drenched. So it's, it's a very strange sensation <laughs> to say that least. Oh yeah, it is weird. And like, I'm, I'll just say this, like, I cannot help. I think this is maybe just girls. This might be just super gross for people, but I cannot help but stare at Taylor's, you know, private when like we're in there because I'm like, what is going on? Like, <laughs> it's just like, it's literally like, if you go in a bath with a guy, you know, if you're in a sauna with a guy, chances are you're kind of going to be like, like what? And that's just maybe uh, whatever. But I'm just like, are you okay? Like, is everything okay? Because like you're sweating so much and you get to the point where like, you're literally just like your eyes. Like, it's like almost like you're crying. Like there's yeah. so much sweat everywhere and you're just like dripping and, you know, and also like, you're so bored in the sauna because mm-hmm. like you're not doing it on your phone. So you're just like, yeah. It, you know. it, Anyways, it is a challenge. It's definitely a challenge to, <laughs> to stay, to stay motivated in there <laughs> for sure. And yeah. Taylor's going to hate me. He's going to be like, are you talking about my balls in there? What's going <laughs> are you on? talking about my balls? But like, <laughs> I've tried um, trying to meditate a couple of times there or try and get into like a meditative state, but you kind of like, like the lack of oxygen makes you a bit scared. Like I had envisions of me just like passing out and just like them, like trying to get in there, me butt naked, <laughs> pulling me out of there. Okay. Like, that is, get this guy. <laughs> okay, literally, that's exactly what I think too. And okay, have you ever seen the show You? Like, do you know the gist of You? like on Netflix. It's like a bit, a bit of a Dexter vibe as far as I understand. Yes, but one of the things he puts his victims in is a glass container oh, that shit. looks like the sauna container. So like when I'm in there, I'm also claustrophobic and I also hate heat. So when I'm in there, I'm just like, okay, this is therapy. Like if I can make it through this for 30 minutes, yeah. like I, I'm going to be okay, you know, mm-hmm. which is so lame, but like, it's actually true. Like those are the tricks that I'm playing with myself, but I'm like, and then I do the same thing. I imagine towards the end of it, I'm like, Oh no, like they can hear me mm. scream, right? Like they can hear me scream. That's like, like this is not because one time they asked us to turn down our music because it was really annoying. So like they can definitely hear you. Mm. So if the ever like the little magnet lock like locks and you're stuck, like they can hear you mm-hmm. for sure. Definitely. Just FYI. But still I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, enough sauna stuff, huh? Um, Josh. We have something super important to talk about today, and it's a very passionate topic of mine, um, mm-hmm. uh, specifically into disorders, unhealthy eating habits, stuff we did to be thin. Looking back now, we're like, oh my God. Um, mm-hmm. But we want to dive into those things today to really um, talk about things that are kind of taboo, like people don't like talking about them because they're uncomfortable, but so many people deal with them. And I think, you know, 
um, it's good to talk about them. Mm. So disorders. <laughs> um, do you want to start with a disorder? What what has been, I guess, the most negative part past, I guess, with you and food and kind of, you know, what was your story like? Yeah, uh, this is also, it's very, it's a topic that's very close to my heart. And reason being because I've witnessed like both sides of the equation, so to speak. So um, I grew up with a very unhealthy re- relationship to food, obviously, and I was I was very overweight, and I just had this uh, sort of I, food was my safe place. Like I would go to food, and it would make me happy. It would be there. It would always be there. Always be there to make me happy. And then. Um, I grew up with my mom, obviously, and um, my mom was on the other side of the equation. So I know I've spoken this before, but I'm very, she was anorexic and she had uh, bulimia and she had all these eating problems. So again, like I said to you, it was literally two sides of the coin sort of coalescing together. And um, my mom loved me very much. So, you know, she she made sure I was fed well all the time and you know, whatever I wanted, I got, uh, I was this only child and that just manifested into me really just taking advantage of this, uh, this thing we call food. And it was, it was, it was so, it was so unhealthy that like, it just got to a point where, um, you know, it, I just, I just couldn't, not think of using food as a way to get out of my sad place if that makes sense and then uh so then on the other side of the equation uh my mom just watching her and i was very young and i didn't really know what was like going on with with her side of her suffering and her eating habits and things like that so it it didn't really occur to me until much later on in life when i realized oh shit we both we both have really fucked up relationships with food, you know. Um, that yeah. that just that just translated into so many different areas of life. Um, but but of course it it's it's amazing now the the possibility of healing and but I mean before I get into that, I, I wanted to find out maybe from your side what what's your what's your story when it comes to eating disorders and unhealthy relationships with food. Oh man. Uh yeah, so I was always athletic and I was always in shape. So there are, of course, like some differences. Um, My parents though, uh, my dad was a professional tennis player, right? And my mom, you know, started out as a swimsuit model. So you always have these people that always look really good and they're older than you, right? So it's like, (laughs) like what? Um, But what happens with that is everything needs to be perfect. Um, you know, there's a lot of OCD, I think that kicks in with those types of things when you have parents that are, you know, more strict and, you know, uh, keep on top of certain things, not saying that it was bad. Um, but I think that me seeing that image and like having that relationship with my mom, where like, I would judge what she was doing. Right. Mm-hmm. And be like, well, you're doing that. And then I constantly be getting like, oh, like, are you sure you want to eat that? or, you know, just the judgment of what I was eating. Right. And so thus started my relationship with food where I would keep it like a secret, you know, like I remember at one point, 
I had frosting and Taylor will just die when he hears this, but he knows this. I would have frosting, like literally a, and remember I was never overweight. I was always exercising. I was always performing, right? Like always with sports. And um, I just remember it became such a secret to me to have sugar because first of all, we weren't allowed to have sugar in our house. So if I went over to a friend's house, I usually would eat their full bag of Oreos. Like I have friends like Haley and Larissa, they can tell you that I would come to their house and I would be obsessed with Oreos and all the junk food because we didn't have junk food in our house, right? And no one had told me anything. And I had, I knew that my mom would hide things, you know, and eat them later or whatever. So I was like a squirrel. I literally would have like a frosting thing where I'd have a spoon and frosting under my bed or like under the, like, passenger seat of my car there'd be frosting you know <laughs> like what the heck <laughs> like, no, I'm, it's like kind of embarrassing so actually yeah. um but like that's like what happens when you have people that are judging you mm. for eating stuff and when you have people that are like very strict and instead of saying hey in this house we eat xyz because you get the most nutrients that way mm. um that wasn't really explained to me it was more just like oh yeah like we eat healthy right like mm. we would always have my dad cooked so we'd always have like a meat always, um, usually a more lean meat, not a lot of red meat, which I'll get into, we can talk about later, but, um, and then we'd always have greens and we'd always have like rice or like potato or something. So I ate well, but again, because I saw that hiding and people were making me feel bad if I wanted to eat something, even though I was like burning so many calories a day, like, you know, and you're like 15, but anyway, mm -hmm. yeah. so that's kind of my relationship turned me into a little squirrel sugar fiend. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, that, that's really interesting. And, and something that I noticed, what you said is about the parents. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I'm very fascinated with how sort of trauma gets, you know, whatever you want to define trauma is, I'm not saying that you went through a trauma, but like trauma, how trauma gets passed down through the generations. And my mom's mom, who passed in 2019, is very close to her, my grand, she was an amazing woman. But she herself had a bit of a eating disorder how interesting is that and she interestingly enough used to uh make my mom feel terribly bad for her apparent weight gain when she was a young young girl so it got reinforced yeah. into her when she was so young that she had to be this she had to be a certain type of person to be loved and that's just not oh, true yeah. that is just not true you you can you can be anyone you want to be and and all, all a kid wants when they're young is they just want approval and love. Like those are the two things that they want yeah. the most. And when you, yeah. you know, when you, when you think you have to be somebody to, in order to be loved, then you take that to the extreme and you, when you're older and she, she did that. She, she, she thought she decided yeah. she had to be skinny to be loved and she had to be skinny to be in control. Um, and yeah, so, so that, that's absolutely fascinating. And then you, you mentioned, I, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was just going to mention one thing, like on that point, right? Like, so I even felt bad about myself, even having a six pack and being like a top athlete. Like mm -hmm. I still did not feel good enough. I still felt fat. What is that? Like, what is that? Like, what is that, that like you get in this thing where you're like, you know, like it, it honestly comes down to, I think I have a bit of body dysmorphia. Mm -hmm. I, I believe that because I kept seeing these things of like, oh, you're going to eat that. Don't eat that. Oh, like, have you mm -hmm. been going to the gym? 
oh, I, I've noticed, or you know what I mean? Like, so I think I have body dysmorphia. So even at my thinnest, which was super unhealthy, mm-hmm. like, and I even had a six pack, I still didn't like, I, I felt bad about myself. I still thought I was fat yeah <laughs> like yeah you you what yeah if, if you're living if you're living in that uh paradigm in that world you you are never gonna you're never gonna feel good enough as much that totally. that is that is the thing is that you can do everything in your power to become the the most like good looking person but if you don't if you don't confront that sort of like i said trauma whatever you want to call it or yeah truth about your parent then you're never going to feel good enough but you mentioned um, being obsessed with the sugar. I find that so interesting because something I noticed growing up in, in my school um, that I went to is similar to uh, the alcohol, but is that I was, a, I, was a, I was quite a latchkey school kid. So, I mean, I used to, my mom was working most of the time. So I used to like just do my own things. And I was, I was very like, I was very independent. Like I used to go to my friend's houses over the weekend, do my own thing. Like I wasn't, I wasn't, my mom is amazing to me. She let me do whatever my heart desired. And then, you know, we, we started drinking at the age of like, what, 15, 16, maybe even 14. I think I had my first drink. And the drinking age is 18 in South Africa, by the way. <laughs> it's not 21. It's 21 America. Yeah. So <laughs> so we started drinking alcohol at a, at a very young age. But there were certain kids in school that their parents were so control controlling they, they they couldn't even go out to like a house party they couldn't drink or experiment with anything and i'm not and, I, and believe me i'm not saying that drinking is good by no means because i don't enjoy it as much as i used to do it but those kids that never experienced you know the, the alcohol when they were younger when they went to university even now today they are like you with the sugar. They are just taking this substance overboard to an extent where they function. They functional alcoholics. They can't go a weekend or a day after work without having a beer yeah. or a drink. Which, in my opinion, I, I know people like that. <laughs> yeah. In yeah. my opinion, that is being a functional alcoholic, and that's yeah. just what I think. So, uh, I love seeing that parallel with what you said. Yeah, I will say for the alcohol bit, because I do think what you're saying is like, I had kind of like both, like I was basically able to do whatever I wanted at a certain age. However, like I had to be home by 12, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like I had like a curfew of 12, like I don't care what you do, cool, go do it, make good choices. So I was like a smart kid, like I never got in trouble with the law or anything like that. Um, mostly because I was just terrified of my parents, like, <laughs> you know, finding out. Um, but what I was going to say is that I've noticed in my life that there are some people that, uh, grew up later, right. Had those experiences with alcohol and partying later. And I'm not saying there's a right way to do it. Mm. So they had those experiences in college instead of high school. Right. And you can see the level of maturity, um, for some reason is kind of like stunted or it doesn't there's just something there where like, if you grow up later, like if you don't have that exposure in high school to partying and alcohol and you know what I mean? Like you become really bad at handling it when you get sent off to a four-year college university, right? And you might struggle to be able to like handle drinking, partying and going to school. I'm not advocating for it, but I wouldn't change my path because I definitely did a lot of 
extreme partying in high school. And I'm glad I did because I got it over at an earlier age. So then I was able to mature like more fluidly, I think. I don't know if you have like, I, I just, it's something that I've noticed and it's just so true. I don't know if you've noticed this as well with people that were like late bloomers or like, you know, they experienced partying and that whole scene later. Is mm. that the same for you? Oh, for sure. For sure. And <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> it, it, it's definitely a thing. And um, it it's just a case of uh, just sort of experiencing things you know just going out there and just like experiencing things but then having the insights to realize what these things are and you know at the end of the day um i think you know i think healthy eating and and the way we conduct our lives i i I, people that go out and drink i really don't mind it but i just genuinely do not like the feeling anymore of waking up hangover it to me it's one of the yeah. worst feelings in the world at the moment like it is such, yeah it is it's such a terrible feeling like wait till you're almost 30 josh and then it's like I, 10 I times feel, worse yeah <laughs> wait I, wait I, I will say i do have a rule on alcohol though mm-hmm. and i've followed this pretty much my whole life um you never drink to feel better you drink to feel even better do you get it mm-hmm. So Mm -hmm. if you're sad and you feel like you want to drink, don't do it because you don't feel great, right? If you feel freaking amazing and you want to go out and drink, by all means, go ahead. That's a rule that I've followed my entire life. And I have really never struggled with alcohol um, Mm -hmm. to that regard. Also, because like what you were talking about, hangovers, like as you get older, it's just not fun. And also like, I, I don't, there's some people where like, they literally have to drink to have a personality. I'm sure you also know those people. Like there's people that literally need alcohol in order to, sorry, alcohol is like, I think a sensitive topic here, but um, there's some people that I know that literally cannot drink. They can't do a month without drinking, right? They Mm -hmm. can't go a couple of days. Like they literally like having someone, if I told someone like, Hey, I'm going to do 75 hard. Well, sorry, I am doing 75 hard and I'm doing it through Christmas. I'm doing it through New Year's. I'm doing it through my 30th birthday when my sister is coming to Amsterdam to visit, right? Like, I think if I was talking to one of those people that I know that has to drink, they would be like, oh, I can't do that. And it's like, dude, but you can, like you can, you need to be at a point in your life where you don't need it, you know? And like, I just, I feel bad for that person and like, I just want them to know, like, you don't need alcohol. Like you don't need to give in to peer pressure. Like you don't need to always drink, you know, like if you hang out with someone that always wants you to drink or you always end up blacked out with them and you don't like it, like you can find new friends. And if someone's going to judge you for not drinking, then fucking toss them anyway. They shouldn't be your friend anyway. If someone's going to judge you for not drinking, they should not be in your life. Yeah. And (laughs) I wish I knew that sooner. (laughs) It, exactly and i'm actually i'm glad we're speaking about this because we weren't really planning on but it just came out no, pretty we organically won't. we never but, do what we plan <laughs> exactly um but alcohol is a very um i have got a soft spot for alcohol in in the sense where you know i've had um a lot of my trauma has been through uh family family traumas and specifically I had problems with my dad, with, with, with him, with seeing him, uh, when you said the personality change that that's immediately okay to my mind is that I would see the, the sort of happy side of him come out when, when he used to drink and 
you know, used to, used to like make these promises to me, like we go do these things. And then the next day, you know, hungover as everyone is, as I, I just don't feel like doing anything the next day, but I certainly do, do, am very passionate about what it, understanding what it does for you and what it's actually doing for you. Instead of, like you said, instead of, instead of viewing it now as something, I don't view it now as something that makes me feel better when I'm sad. Now it's just like a, a garnish. It's just like that thing you, you have at a restaurant, yes. you know, it's just that thing that exactly. you, you enjoy in a comfortable setting, you know, and, yeah, and I will say that my relationship with my dad now has never been better. I'm very happy about it. And I've spoken very candidly and honestly to him about, about the, the, the experiences I had when I was a kid that made me uncomfortable when you used to drink. And yeah. I think it's, I think it's so, so important that you speak to your parents honestly about what maybe bothered you as a kid. You don't have to do this by all means, but I think it, it's, it's a beautiful thing to, to just speak to them about maybe what, what it made you feel like. And when you do that, you know, the relationship just goes to a whole nother level because they, they understand you better. They understand mm -hmm. maybe why you react with them or why you, you, you don't, you didn't like the things that they did. So. Oh yeah. And you have, what, what you said there was very important having that conversation, but you have to remember a lot of times our parents act the way towards us because they had a previous trauma from their parents. Absolutely. So sometimes if you don't want to get into like the sensitive conversation with your relationship and your, you know, cur your current parents, <laughs> you have one set of parents, um, your parents, you can actually just have a conversation and just be like, Hey dad, like, you know what, like, what was your relationship like with your mom and your stepdad? Right. And just there without having it be super sensitive because it's not mm. about you and them, it's about them and someone else. They're probably more likely to open up to you about that. And you can actually have a better understanding of where they're coming from, right? Mm. I'm not mm. saying that we should ignore any, you know, shitty things our parents do, but you have to remember that a lot of times it's the trauma that's passed on, right? So like, we're like the people that we, we want to stop it, right? We want to take control, right? Mm. And you have to remember too, like people are not always happy and, and every now and then, right? Like people use alcohol to be happy, right? Because something's been going on. Like a lot of times if I see someone that's very dependent on alcohol, I actually feel, I feel bad for them. Like, I don't mm. think that I just know that they're so unhappy and that stuff's going on that I don't know about. So whenever I do have people over, I actually make sure to have a non-alcoholic option. Like here they have mm. like 0% beers um, or like I'll have, you know, LaCroix or I'll have waters or just anything else because I don't want people to feel the pressure to drink because sometimes mm -hmm. your will is something that you're, you're holding that line, like Jocko says, right. And, and sometimes you need someone to help you and not feel that pressure to drink. If you go out to a party or if you go out and do this. So I don't know. I'm like, and let's it, make it is, not drinking cool. Right? Yeah, it, it is ex exactly. I, I, I really wholeheartedly believe that, that one of my, one of my, reasons for being here is that is is that you can you can enjoy yourself without having to drink and it is a peer it is literally a peer pressure especially in a place like south africa where i've where i've come from is that there's a huge drinking culture here it's like 
if you don't participate in, and I'm even talking about from the family level, like I've gotten flack from my own family for <laughs> not for not having a drink. Mm. But I just want to say something so important and something so close to my heart that whoever's listening, you do whatever you think you need to do to heal. If you feel like alcohol is not the best thing for you at, the, at that moment in time, you don't fucking have to have it. You don't have to, you don't have to conform yeah. to what, what everyone's, especially during this time of year. It's, it's, in South Africa, Christmas is a very celebratory time of year. People just, it's basically just one big month of drinking. You know, you go to the coast and you drink and you drink and you drink and you drink. So, but when you are healing, you know, I think 80% of our podcast is about healing when you are healing and you are fixing decades long damage, you need to do what's best for you. And if you know that ahead of time and you say no to people, it makes it so much easier than, than just saying, Oh no, you know what? I think, okay, I'll just drink like a bit, you know, is that there's kind of, there's kind of this, um, there's kind of a beauty in just abstaining and just saying, you know what? tonight I'm not going to drink or having a strategy. Like, I think you actually told me this where you just drink a bit of soda water, you know, instead you yeah. sort of fake, you fake your way around it. Can oh, you speak I, to that I maybe? Remember you have to have, <laughs> yeah. So here's some of my tricks um, to not drinking because one thing I will mention to you and not a lot of people know is that my husband is straight edge. What straight edge means is that in his entire life, he has never partaken in drinking or drugs, right? And he grew up in Orange County in California. So a couple things that like I've watched him do over the years, right? Because he actually doesn't drink, right? So like, and he used to be a tour manager for a DJ group, right? So they were in Vegas, like in clubs all the time. So he's constantly like putting down drinks, right? So <laughs> one thing I will say is that the more times that you say no, um, and you're like with someone or the more times you say no, the more you get used to saying no. And actually it builds up your confidence in saying no to people because you'll get used to that look of disappointment on their face. Like, wait, um, you're not going to drink tonight. It's Josh's birthday. You're not going to have a birthday shot with us. You know, stuff like that. I mean, I have done this so many times. Taylor's actually done it as well. <laughs> when we were in Miami anyway, but um, what I'm saying is that you'll get so good at it. And like, if you're in a public setting, um, and maybe like, you know, you're at, let's say you're at a brunch, right. And there's, you know, two people sitting next to you can maybe hear what you're ordering. Um, what you can do easily is you can ask for like soda water and lime. Right. Mm. So then maybe the two people next to you hear that you're not drinking, but it doesn't have to be announced to the table and to everyone else. You're holding up a drink that looks like soda water and lime. Right. So it's, you know, no one knows. Same thing if you're at a club, if you're out with friends, you just order soda water and lime, mm -hmm. you'll stay hydrated. Um, and then also, um, you can also, if you really want to, you can get a Diet Coke. Um, I mean, there's aspartame in it, but it's better than, I guess, drinking. Um, but what I'm talking about too is that, like, I look up to Taylor so much mm -hmm. because I remember when we first met, I thought, I was like, what a weirdo. <laughs> like you've never done drugs like I was like are you like I was like what are you like some type of it was just it was so weird and then Love like it. the more I got to know him it comes from a place of uh not wanting that to like mess 
with like his control, right? Like mm. how he feels, right? Doesn't want to have to rely on something if he's not feeling well, right? But I mean, just like the the sheer will mm. and hold, talk about holding your freaking line, man. Mm. Hold, hold your line for 33 years of not drinking. Like that's huge, you know? Yeah. And he actually had a group of friends that I think only three of them left. There was like a group of seven. I think only three of them today are still straight edge with Taylor. So two others are still straight edge. So you like, should Taylor and co-author co-author the book with uh, Jocko Willink. Did he not? Was he not the co-author? <laughs> no, he's the one who bought it though. So okay, <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So it falls into my lap now. But um, that's what I would do. And then if you go to a party, like just always bring like a non-alcoholic, mm. like Lacroix or something. Like if there's something that you know that you're like, you know what? If I have Lacroix with me. I'm not going to, or like bubble water, like, you know, uh, flavored bubble water. Like I'm not going to want to drink. Right. Mm. Or a 0% beer. I mean, not if you're carnivore, but you know mm. what I mean? Like if you want to bring something, bring it yourself to the party, right? Like no one's going to be like judging you honestly, just like pour it in like a red cup when you're at the party. Like no one cares. That's the beautiful part of this. No one cares. And the people that do care, get them the fuck out of your life, get them the hell out of your life run from that person. You don't want them in your life anyway. You're not missing out on them. Mm. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> so, so I can just hear the audience already because, uh, Nicole, this is a very practical podcast, of course. Yeah. What if, what if, okay, not everyone is traumatized to the level, whatever that, and not everyone will not drink alcohol and some people actually just enjoy it. Like you said. So what, what are the, what are the go-to alcoholic options that you would yeah. recommend if you were carnivore and you just wanted to have a little bit of a, a buzz on the weekend when you right. were just going out? So, yeah. And just to clarify, like, I'm not against alcohol. Mm. Like, anyone who knows me, I like to have a good time. I like to have a good time. I like to be the one who gets tequila shots and watch grown Dutch men take a tequila shot, Right. <laughs> That's like literally my favorite thing I've ever witnessed is watching a Dutch guy take a tequila shot. <laughs> um, but what I will say is that tequila shots. Um, mm. So don't like in Europe, it's a bit extreme to order a round of tequila shots and have everyone take shots. I've noticed like when mm. I go to work happy hours and my Dutch friends and some other friends are like, what you're doing shots of tequila? Like what is happening? <laughs> And so for me, it makes the most sense because it's something super fun where like you get everyone a little bit uncomfortable. I really like making mm. people uncomfortable. And then you have them take a shot and then you just have like a water or a soda water, right? Um, tequila, I always like the silver. Um, try to get higher grade tequila if you can. Mm. Um, but tequila shots are always fun. Uh, don't do like a, a whole bunch. Uh, tequila's... Um, Tequila, soda water, and lime. That is my go-to. I will always just have the best time drinking that. Um, you can also do like whiskey, uh, mm. just on the rocks, I guess. Uh, you know, if you want to stay away from sugar, um, bourbon, whiskey. Uh, those are kind of mine. Of course, vodka. I think you would drink vodka. So you're like a vodka yeah. soda and lime or lemon guy, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's my that's No my wine, though. Yeah. No, wine no, is no. literally the, <laughs> no matter, I'm just, this is a PSA about wine. Um, <sighs> no matter like 
what you're doing, if you're doing carnivore, if you're not doing carnivore, like I'm allergic to sulfites, first of all. So anytime I have wine, I am red. I feel awful, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's so many things in wine. There's so much sugar. Um, and like, I just, I just, I can't do it. I can't do it. So yeah. if you can like drink wine sparingly, great. Um, I do, however, one of my favorite wines is a French white wine. It's a Pouillet Fousse. Um, and it Whoa, is just- That's impressive. I right, right. That. <laughs> Pouillet Fousse. No, trust me. It took- so I love French white wine because they tend to use less sugar. It's less processed mm. and there's less sulfites that are actually in white wine. Um, so anytime I'm being like really, you know, really bad and I'm like, you know what? Give me a glass of that Pouillet Fousse, right? And they're Give like, they're shit. nice, right? Yeah. Give me that shit. That's what I want. But anyways, um, I will say like, also just FYI, like, do you also remember when you were drinking when you were younger and like, Oh, well, never mind. You were not thin, were you? <laughs> you no, were... no, I was. <laughs> oh, I was. I was mind. not. I was not the thinnest. Um, I did. I did drink when I when I lost weight, but um, yeah, interesting. The the, the sort of combination of drinking and uh, eating. I found that when I drank alcohol when I was younger, I would eat so much food, and I don't know if yeah. it was just like a a blood sugar imbalance thing but oh my word I, I could eat like so much food after i drank no your inhibitions are down that's what it is and you just go crazy like that's also why anytime that i've ever cheated it's always mm. when i've been drunk or drinking because my inhibitions go down and i'm like oh well yeah. you know i'm a little tipsy like that, that croissant looks yeah great. that croissant there looks amazing <laughs> yeah um i did want to ask you to like because I know when we were talking about, like, not to like change topics completely, but I think when we were in high school and growing up, there definitely was a lot of things that people were doing in order to stay thin, right? Mm -hmm. Because thin was everything. If you weren't thin, especially as a female, like, you know, you were not, you were nothing, right? Like, yeah. I mean, not literally, but like you just, you felt that way, right? Like mm -hmm. you see all the models in the magazine and now it's even worse. People have filters on their face 24 seven. So you don't even know who they look like and they're catfishing you into thinking that you need to look like that. But um, anyways, do you remember some of the trends? Cause I have a couple on my mind that I wanted to like address. Um, well, you know what? I think I would love to hear from your side because you know, South Africa was still very, not conservative, you know, but, but we, most of the people that I grew up with were like even killed, most of them. But I would love to hear from like a California, USA perspective, what people did to stay skinny. Mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I know okay. a few stories from my side, but I, I'm pretty sure yours would be a bit more interesting than the ones that I had to tell. Let's set the stage uh southern california you know one of the top sports schools uh okay so and let's just say money was not an issue either in the area that i grew up right okay so one of the ones that i can just mention that is probably going to open up a whole plethora of conversation is adderall right adderall adderall 
if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you have taken it, part of it. You have a friend that's prescribed it and you get some from them, right? Mm -hmm. So I was prescribed Adderall since I was 15 years old. I got a D in algebra two. And I went to the doctor because my parents were like, something's wrong with her. And it's like, no, like I'm literally no, like, no, nothing's I'm not no, retarded. No. I just yeah. don't want to do math. I'm it's just like, so funny I mean, how I'm, that's the that's the 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 like the answer. To- <laughs> well, it's just like I guess I was doing well in my other classes mm. and then like math, like I just I don't care about math. Like I'm sorry, that wasn't how my brain worked. Um, and I was lazy, right? And like I got a D in algebra one semester. And if like, you know, you have to retake and like go into like dumb, dumb math, right? Where like, you're like a year or two behind and, you know, remedial math, right? Yeah. So my my parents were concerned and my doctor and they're like, yeah, like, so they tell me, you know, like, you're not doing well in math. Like what's going on? I was like, well, there's a lot going on at school, you know, I'm in sports and, you know, three hours of my day is sports. And then I have, you know, like five hours to school and then like, I have to sleep and do homework and it's just too much. I don't like it. And Anyway, so they prescribed me Adderall, right? Mm. There literally was so many people on Ritalin, Adderall, Vyvanse in high school. Like literally everyone had a prescription. It was going out like candy. All you had to do was this little test, right? And it literally was just like a booklet test that you would open up. And this would be how they know to prescribe you Adderall and tell you have ADD. And it's like, to me now looking back at it, I'm like, yo, like we all have ADD. There's so much stuff going on. You just Mm. actually like, have to take the hard route and like focus and like make Mm -hmm. an effort right so they prescribe me Adderall at 15 I get the highest A in the class the following semester in algebra two that's okay so if you think about things working right obviously it worked it did its job I was on meth Adderall is Mm freaking meth yeah it came at it came at a huge expense I would imagine yes but here's the thing I continued to take Adderall Mm. until I got into carnivore. And it was very like, when I got older, it was a lot less through college though. Adderall, man, like Adderall. I remember I was actually studying abroad here and my mom had to send me like pills because I was here for like seven months. And so like, like, (laughs) I need my Adderall, right? I was doing like pre-law and like all this reading anyway. So, So like, she would like send, she literally sent me, I think like uh, one of my, you get like big amount of prescription, right? Like sometimes mm. you get like a three month prescription. It's like the mm. most they'll do nowadays. So she sent like a three month and she put it in with a bunch of gum, like flavored gum in like a little package to me to Amsterdam. And I'm like, mom, like what the hell? Right. Like, so sketchy. Like, like, I know she said so, like, that I had a prescription. <laughs> I had a prescription and I had a letter from my doctor saying that Nicole is on like this medication, like she will have it on her person. So I just carry yeah. that letter with me in case a Dutch policeman was like, hey, anyway. Nicole so got a D during... for her maths test when she was younger. So this is the reason why <laughs> yeah. she's allowed at all. Oh yeah. But like the thing is that industry, even if you're an adult, mm. like I know adults, like I'm saying 40 plus who have gone to their doctor and gotten like prescriptions of Adderall, right? So everyone was on Adderall or Vyvanse or someone. Everyone had a friend that was prescribed. People would hit me up all the time. And I was Mm. super paranoid. I didn't never wanted to like sell to anyone because I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get like, I'm going to get rolled. Like people are, Mm. I was always very paranoid. Probably was Mm. a mess, you know? Yeah, it was Um, Adderall. (laughs) (laughs) It it was Adderall. You're high on your own supply. And then, 
Yes. And then people would take it before going out and then they would like, like blackout essentially because they took an Adderall and didn't eat. So the thing with Adderall and Ritalin and all of these uppers, the meth, right? Like the, they're called amphetamines, um, the Vyvanse, right? They make it so you're not hungry. Mm. And let me just tell you the worst experience, the worst feeling I've ever had is a come down from Adderall. Mm. Not only are you starving or just like hungry because you haven't eaten in who knows how long, but there's something about the come down that you are just so irritable, so angry, so just like you just feel awful. Mm. How I'd imagine you'd feel probably coming down from meth, right? And so people got in the point where they started doing it um, like for fun, not just for doing that. Like I never really took it for fun. I think every now and then I would take it if I was like, oh, I have to go out tonight. Like I just ate dinner. I really don't feel like going out. And I would like take a half or like a quarter to like mm-hmm. go out the door. Like that's not great. Yeah. And a lot of times what happened is if you were hungover or you didn't feel well, you would just pop an Adderall and be like, okay, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to run a mile. I'm ready to go to practice. I'm ready to, you know, do my morning workout. So anyways, Adderall was like, I don't know if you had that problem as well, but when I went carnivore, um, I flushed mine all down the toilet. Like I had tons. I shouldn't brag about that. Well, it's gone now, but whatever. I'm going to get like murdered for my Adderall. (laughs) So I had a prescription for such a long time and I like didn't really take it. I went through bouts of not taking it at all. And then I was down to a fourth of the actual dose that I would take on an as needed basis, Mm. AKA if I ate awful or if I was hungover or whatever, very, very just low. So did you like, did you sort of wean yourself off eventually? No, I, no, I never did that. I just kind of went cold Turkey. Like, Mm. and the thing is it was such an as needed basis already for the past, like, I want to say like five years. So I never really had like, I guess, like gnarly symptoms of anything. Mm. Um, Mm. But what I did is that when I was cleaning out my house to move here, I found all these Adderall bottles, right? And I was like, okay. And these are full. This is probably like 300 pills that were like left. Cause I just, I never used them. I dumped them all down the toilet. Yeah. And I remember like literally my sister's watching me and she's like, are you serious? Like you're what? Like, this is like the prize. This is like, this is like God's <laughs> gift to the world Adderall, you know? So like me pouring them out. Cause I'm like, Oh, I never need this again. I don't want this to end up in, you know, some wrong hands or something. So I'm like literally flushing it down, but it yeah. actually felt really good doing that. Cause I was like, dude, this is like what, and who knows what the later repercussions are. You know, yeah. but I will say I was diagnosed with ADHD. Like I was very hyper uh, uh, in my teens and as a kid. <laughs> so yeah. it kind of like leveled me, I guess. But dude, who knows what's going to happen to me later? Mm. Like I already feel like I'm an idiot and like short term <laughs> memories. <are horrible. laughs> no, but but I think you you just touched on it there. And I think I think meat, a meat based diet is a great tool to combating a lot of a lot of addictions let's put it that way so let's just bucket everything because whether it was me with my food or somebody was smoking alcohol adderall coke whatever you 
whatever your poison is, you know, everyone's got their poison coffee. Like meat paste is a great tool to giving you your freedom back. And your freedom is often yeah. in the form of focus. Like you said, it, what did the Adderall do mm-hmm. for you? It, it gave you focus and that probably gave you a bit of peace because you weren't, you weren't worrying about your life when you were on Adderall, you were just so focused on the task at hand. You, you couldn't, you couldn't worry about what you were. You couldn't worry about your past or the future. You were just like so focused and, you know, yeah, definitely. I think, I think it's the, the beauty of this diet is, is that, that fact of, like you said, just jumping right into it. it sometimes that's the best thing you could do. You know, my, going back to my mom, what, the most amazing thing that she did is she was a smoker for over 30 years. She used to smoke like a box a day. Oh my God. She gave, she, she gave up smoking. She was a, she was a vegetarian, hardcore vegetarian for 30 years as well. She's now carnivore. Um, she now, nice. she does drink alcohol on occasion, but, but that's for me what it does. It, it, it gives you a sense of freedom back that, that I don't think you yeah. can get as easily of course you can get it in other ways but it just it just gives you your freedom back you know totally and i think that the other thing is um you know there will be times because it was so ingrained in my system to be like oh pop an adderall it'll be fine (laughs) you know it was it was the easy way you know how jocko talks about putting in the work doing Mm -hmm. the work and and you know like getting to where you want to be is not easy. It's going to take hard work. Getting up early, it takes hard work. Eating a very nutrient-dense diet, right? I mean, it's not hard work, but it's discipline, right? It's, it's it's, It's harder than going on Uber and ordering something to come to you, right? Um, or just like, you know, using your own focus naturally than like taking a pill for it, right? Like that, that takes work. That's hard. So I always thought of it as like the easy way. Mm. And there's, there's times actually, cause I was on it for so long that I'll literally just even hear it happen the other day. Um, we had to like unpack everything in our house. And I was like, Ooh. I looked at Taylor. <laughs> I'm like, Ooh, this would be a great time for a little Adderall. <laughs> and he looks at me and he's just like, pump the techno music and just have some Adderall yeah, like, and clean the house. Get some. Yeah. No. yeah, totally. And so that was a moment that I had where I was like, wow, this would be like really great, you know, or yeah. like if you ever like really don't want to do something, it's so ingrained in me that mm. I'm like, oh, like I'll just take it and I do this business presentation, you know, like mm. without being like on, 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 right. I'll take an Adderall. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a, um, like you said, it's, yeah, it's and, a functional and, yeah. It's a functional, functional use of meth, basically. Right. It's just a functional meth, yes. like dispository. But <laughs> yeah, and like going back to it though, like when you're on carnivore, you don't need anything. Like you mm. literally, you don't need medications. You don't need like, it's so like what you're saying. It's so freeing. Like it gives you your life back. Life back. So you're not held captive by drugs. You're not like, oh, I, I can do this without this. You know? Yeah. Um. But and I going think- back to this. Okay. Yeah, so oh go I th- ahead. I th- sorry, I think it lagged a bit, but I think um I think there's actually a a carnivore on Instagram. He might be a gay carnivore if I'm not mistaken, but he his like handle is actually the 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 the, the gay carnivore or something like that. I might be getting that completely wrong. But he was a drug addict and he he claims that meat based basically saved his life. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy. Yeah. And and 
what you mentioned earlier is that I think the biggest change you can make in your life is at the identity level is when you become, you become so like Taylor was you or is you become so used to your, your way of living that it's so part of your identity. Now it's like, you don't even have to think about cooking a steak for dinner. It's like, that is what we eat for dinner. It's like, there's like, no there's at this stage in my life there's no doubt in my mind about what i'm having for dinner because it's so ingrained into my system it's just getting it's just getting to that point where it becomes part of you instead of an afterthought instead of something that you you know you have to do like oh oh i have to cook a steak for dinner you know it's like now it's like oh that's what that's for dinner that's what's happening Totally. And going back to like, I know we just went on, I knew this was going to open a tangent talking about Adderall (laughs) because it's just, it's, trust me, like there's so many people out there that still take Vyvanse, Adderall, et cetera, that are in their thirties, that are in their twenties. Like it's a problem, you know? And what happens is like, it takes, like, I feel like I'm relearning all this stuff to do it, to actually have the want Mm. to do things without taking a drug to be like my crutch to help me do things. So Mm. Anyways, but like, I am like, you know what? Rub some dirt in it. And I'm like, you know what? Good, good. I want to struggle. I want to struggle a little bit. I want to know what it's like to actually like work for things and to just take a pill and then, you know, do that. But the skinny thing, going back to that, that was the main one. And it's still a problem today. Like people still take it to get thin, but Mm. the other ones that you're just going to be shocked. So I had a model friend um she's like a model <laughs> like swimsuit model, model too <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like okay get the Adderall Nicole no. interesting um interesting yeah um beautiful beautiful very very thin um she was telling us and this is my adult life was telling us that she would take a Benadryl around 7 p.m and it would actually make her fall asleep hungry so she wouldn't want to eat dinner so she would literally take benadryl to fall asleep so she wouldn't have to eat dinner and she wouldn't have to eat um another thing that was going on and this is when i was in high school is that girls were taking water pills um where like water pills are basically like it gets rid of water retention um Mm. so that basically it makes you it's like diuretic so it's like a water diuretic pill or something And they're called like water pills. I don't feel like I'm like missing one piece of like what they're actually called, but they would take them and it would basically, it's really dangerous to take these for a long period of time because Mm. what happens is it gets rid of all the fluids that you've been, you know, it just doesn't retain any in your system. Yeah. So this would get rid of what we call water weight, right? So girls would take that. And then also, of course, the laxatives, right? People would take laxatives after they would, you know, eat something they didn't want to eat. They would go ahead and take a laxative, right? Because it would just get rid of everything the next day. Um, So those were three that I know of. And this is like, when you're younger, like you don't even know what you're doing, right? Like Mm. you don't even know, you don't even care really about the consequences because you want that one golden thing that's going to make you feel better than, right? Like being thin, Absolutely. Um, so those were some of them, like some people got into like heavy drugs, like pills, stuff like that. Mm. Um, I mean, I don't know if that was necessarily to be thin, but like 
but to, also, at the end of the day it's the same yeah. it's the same motivation it's to it's 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 all yeah. so you can feel good and be loved and be accepted yes and and just feel like you have no problems in the world and so i but what's so interesting about what we're speaking about is so we've got the skinny camp the being skinny camp but yeah. it's so funny how we've shifted now to a world where the new normal is it's, also becoming okay. now this other this now it's it, not that i'm body shaming but we've yeah. seen the pictures that are coming out in magazines and now there's just been a whole big pendulum swing to the other side it's like no you, you don't want to be obese and be walking around yeah. in a swimsuit saying okay stop fat shaming me i'm this i am beautiful i'm not saying you're not beautiful but what i am saying is that there are certain images that we should not be promoting as healthy agree, yeah. you know you, like you look at women in the 50s and 40s I, I always go back to those pictures of women in the beach in the 50s and 40s like marilyn they, monroe Ma marilyn Mon monroe and guess what i've seen uh, I, I actually listened to research the other day that she used to eat like bunless hot dogs she ate meats. She had lamb. She had tons of lamb. Whichever restaurants and you went to, she would cook it at home in her hotel herself. She would cook it at home, but those women were curvy. They were just they were they were curvy. They were at this healthy weight. But when you're showing women that are literally morbidly obese, and you are and mm -hmm. you are putting advertising saying this is the new healthy, that is just also not. It's not the right. Yeah. You know what? I, I agree with you. I think that people that are super, super skinny on the spectrum, mm -hmm. like unhealthily skinny and people that are obese, right. And fat, they have something in common. They're both unhappy. The mm -hmm. thing that I think that should be used as a tool to determine your level of health and how good you are is how many, show me how many medications you're on. Right. If you go to the person that's been avoiding animal fat, that's, you know, has a BMI of like what, let's say like 16 or something. I'm talking very, very thin. How many mm -hmm. antidepressants is she on? How mm -hmm. many, um, you know, like how, how, what is she taking? Right. Because of this, you know, like, is she anemic? Right. Like what, what's going on here? And then you go to the other person is diabetic, right? The obese person, they're a diabetic. They're on, uh, you know, maybe they're on, I don't know, uh, Loprinosil. Maybe they're on, you know, different drugs, right? And maybe their knees hurt. Maybe they're in yeah. pain. Maybe they yeah. have boils, right? Like who knows what they have, right? So I think you have two people. If you go too far one way, you're unhappy. If you go too far this way, you're unhappy. And you think by this time, people wouldn't promote either because they know the complications mm. and how bad that is, right? Especially for young girls, mm. right? If you see someone that's like, you know, 300 pounds and you see someone that's 90 pounds and they're the same height, like, well, which way am I going to go? So it's okay to like, you know, eat all this food and become, you know, fat and have health complications, but I shouldn't eat any food. And then I should just be like, hungry all the time like it's yeah. like geez it's a very real thing and we were talking earlier i know you touched on your story about never feeling like you were skinny enough um when i started my weight loss journey i also just went so far to the other side where i was over exercising intermittent yeah. fasting 18 20 hours a day drinking 
black coffee until my eyes were bulging out of my scar, my skull. And I got to a point where I just lost so much muscle, so much fat. I was so skinny. And now I'm in a place where I am purposefully eating more calories to put on weight so that I can perform CrossFit at a level that I'm comfortable with. But, but like you said, it's still, I still struggle. I still struggle to this day to see myself and, and I'm, and I'm perfectly, you know, I have perfect awareness of that, but I still, when I look in the mirror, I don't see like a fit person. I, I still have those glimpses where you're like, Ooh, like, Ooh, you, 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 yeah. you're getting a little, you, you're getting a little bit chunky. You're getting a bit chunky, but, but yeah. what I'm, I'm not saying that to sound like depressed or anything, but I'm saying that there it's just a process of unlearning that and it's gotten easier over time. But, mm-hmm. but like anything, it stays with you for a very long time. And, and every day I have to learn to just like be kind to myself. I, I think if I had to have one message, yeah to my viewers these days, especially it's just be kind to yourself. It's that when I notice my subconscious saying, Oh, you're, you're actually getting fat now. You need to like, you need to start eating a bit less or you need to be doing it more. I just need to be like, okay, cool. All that is, is just past conditioning. It's just in my mind. Just be kind to yourself. Just, just, just relax. Yeah. Just be cool. Just, that does go you hand know? in hand though, Josh, I will say. So mm. I'm very self-critical. Um, about a lot of different things, not just like about my body, but I think that every single person that you ever met has those conversations with themselves about their body, right? You can look amazing to someone else and you can like feel so awful about yourself. It's like the weirdest trip. Or you can be like, well, you know what? My face got a little fatter. Uh, mm. you know what? Like, I don't, I don't like this. And literally you're like, Josh, you're like, what are you talking about, Nicole? looks exactly the same. Like no one knows what you're talking about. So I think it's important to be self-critical, but you have to know, you have to recognize it. Like what you're talking about, you have Mm. to recognize when your self-criticalness has gone to the level of negative, right? Because I strongly agree that like, you know, we shouldn't give trophies out to losers, right? Like I, I don't believe in that right? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's all, you know, everyone should get a trophy for participation. Like, I don't believe in that. And I think that maybe ties into the self-criticalness and maybe self-awareness, you know? Like when I, for example, I recently had gained weight, as I told you, right? I had gained like 10 pounds and we discovered it was these three lattes. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like, I don't even care. Like no one cares. My husband doesn't care. He's like, oh, your butt got a little bigger. He's like, I like it. You know, like mm-hmm. no one, no one, not that he actually said that. I asked, by the way, for his opinion <laughs> on my butt. Like he never would say that. That's insane. Um, but like there's, I, I'm not like mad about it. I'm just like, oh, you know what? Like, I don't think dairy's that good for me. I probably shouldn't mm-hmm. have three lattes a day and like cut it back. Like that's that's self-awareness, right? And like uh, and know. it's not taking it's not it's not what, what what i like about that is that you haven't you haven't done that pendulum swing like we talked about you haven't gone from drinking three lattes to just drinking black coffee and limiting your oh calories God, no. to 1200 you know what i'm saying but but that's how no. that's how it used to be for me is that totally. i used to go periods where i would notice myself getting a little bit chunky and i would i would i had this thing one of these habits that i had 
I would constantly feel my stomach. Like when no. I lost, I promise you, when I lost nearly a hundred pounds, um, I actually worked out the day, the other day. It was literally nearly a hundred pounds. I, I always say like 80 in my blog, but um, it was literally, it was just under a hundred pounds, but wow. I would, I would have this habit. And my mom, who's not too far away from me right now, she used to even call this out, but I used to, I used to do this thing where I always used to like feel my stomach because when I lost all of that weight, I couldn't believe it. So I got addicted to this feeling of not having a stomach oh my anymore. Gosh. And that was one of the things that I used to do. I used to, so, so when I went on this journey and this is pre carnivore days when it was still like keto calorie counting, all of that stuff, I yeah, used to yeah. feel my, I used to feel my stomach. And when I felt it being a bit bigger than I thought it should have been, I just mm-hmm. like went full blast the, the other direction, Gnarly. black coffees, intermittent fasting, less calories. So it was just this constant swing. And you can imagine mm. my thyroid must've been on an absolute roller coaster oh, yeah. dealing with that. Um, so, I mean, going through weight loss and weight gain, just like constantly isn't great. Mm-hmm. And it's a couple pounds here and there, like my result or my, I guess what you're t- saying, like I wasn't pendulum saying another way. I like how I eat. I like what I do. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to turn my latte in three lattes into one or two cappuccinos a day. Like that was yeah. like literally my fix. Yeah. And I already lost three pounds. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's like, mm. there, it, it, it literally just, it, you can't let it swing too much. But like, mm. I just, honestly, I don't know if you feel this way, but I just feel bad for like the people that are growing up on social media. Like social mm. media is all you know, because like, I wanted to address this. This is a whole nother episode, oh, by the way. This is a whole, okay, yeah. This is going to be a whole, whole nother one. Yeah. Um, but something Love that I it. wanted to address, since we're talking about like self-image and how you feel, a lot of your self-image and not feeling good about yourself also comes from when we see um, pictures that have been Photoshopped, right? Of these perfect, perfect skin, perfect models, right? Like, you know, no 0% body fat, right? And so you compare yourself to what you see, right? Because Mm -hmm. you think like, oh, like this is like what the the norm is out there in the world, right? Which is like so not even true. But my point is, is that with social media and Instagram, you instantly can look at any person in the world you want. I can look at people in India and be like, well, they're thin there. I can look Mm -hmm. at a person in Poland and be like, well, this blogger is thin there. I can look at a person in France, just like, you have access to all these different images, all these different people, like all over the world. Right. But you have to remember like Instagram is like putting your best foot forward. And if you're someone who's in the health industry, well, sorry, let me take that back. If you're someone who's talking about your diet, like for example, myself, I made a promise to myself that I would not edit any photos at all. I maybe I use like this Teza app sometimes if I want like a filter right? Like a filter as in not modifying my face, my size, my shape, anything, literally just modifying the colors, right. To make me like tanner. Right. Mm. So I've gone even further away from that where I don't want to promote that. Like, I don't want to, I want someone yeah. to like see someone's feed and just be let like, your oh, this freckles, looks like a normal. Let your freckles shine. Let them right? come out. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I think that like people get so, there's a lot of people in the carnivore community. Like I remember this one carnivore influencer apologized because she had been modifying pictures mm. in her waist size, her face. And I'm like, 
dude, like we are, we need help. Like we need our humans need help because if you're Mm. someone who's like saying, Hey, carnivore gave me clear skin carnivore, you know, made me thinner carnivore helped me with my psoriasis. And then you're like, I don't know what this girl had specifically, but if you're then editing and like manipulating those images and you're trying to come across as like a real person, that's like undoctrinated. And this is what I Mm. do. Like that is the most hypocritical bullshit ever like you do not deserve to be in this space if you're going to manipulate people like it needs to be authentic and real what do you think about that and i love that and speaking of uh social media which i think we need to dedicate a whole episode to i still need to think this because i'm very passionate about the the projection of that people have on social media um in the carnival community especially um but so last week we spoke about Carnival Aurelius. Ooh. <laughs> he, so for people that don't know, right? Do you want to tell them who he is? Yeah. So he he's he's basically. Well, sorry, we don't know his name. We actually don't know who <laughs> but, he is. But last week yeah. we spoke um, about um, the the sort of the lack of skin in the game that he has because we don't know who he is, and he is promoting things that are outside of the traditional carnival diet, like eating fruits, glucose, fructose, potatoes, all of these things. So I messaged, I put the promotion of our video up and I, and I, and I tagged him and he responded to me and he responded with one of the articles he wrote about why, okay, I'm going to break this up into two parts. Part one, he responded with an article saying why he's anonymous. Um, and I was very, I was very resistant at first. Like I was like, oh fuck, this this dude's what a joker. I'm a, this this guy's annoying me. But again, I was noticing this like ego of mine, like saying, okay. So I just said, okay, read the article. Let's just see what this guy's speaking about. I read the article. It's long, f. And thank you so much, Carnivore Aurelius. <laughs> yeah, and actually, actually, the way he was describing the reason why he's anonymous made sense to me. In fact, okay. I was kind of jealous because can you the way he, can you share us too, like with why? Yeah. So the, the reason why he's anonymous is because the being anonymous takes away the sort of discrepancies of having to be somebody online. So you have to perform for people, yeah. so to speak, you know. And then he sort of he sort of like drew a parallel with Bitcoin, which immediately in my mind is like, you know, okay, this makes sense. Basically. Bitcoin is as strong as it is because of Satoshi Nakamoto, who we don't know is, is because he's anonymous. That's what makes it so strong is that there's no single person or entity tied to this currency. So there's no conflict of interest with nobody. So that when, he, when he described it like that, it made sense to me. Um, so so I, I replied to him and I said, listen, I was resistant at first, but this actually makes completely sense. This makes complete sense to me. I, I get why you're anonymous. Cool. That that's okay. Um, but then I said to him, I said, okay, but listen, I have lost a lot of weight myself, and I have I still don't think that people who are 100 pounds overweight need to be adding in glucose or fructose or potatoes to their diet. So yeah. I sort of I sort of agreed to disagree with him. Basically, I just said, listen that being anonymous makes sense to me. I get it. It's cool. But I said to him, 
I still think you have a certain obligation as somebody who has over 177,000 followers on Instagram that you need to understand that context is so important with everything. You know, if you are naturally insulin sensitive and you're, you have a great pancreas and you can handle carbs and you're not food addicted, then do it. But, but if you are somebody like me, who's maybe a bit more food addict, addictive, puts on weight a bit easier, I don't think glucose and fructose and all of these things are the best thing for me i'm not saying that i'm not saying that people can't i'm definitely not a carnival purist and i'm definitely not saying that people can't eat fruits or eat whatever on a carnival but i am saying that context is so important especially with somebody of a following his size you know yeah and that's yeah. the thing that's honestly like we don't care what he eats we don't we don't judge anyone for being like hey like Recently, I introduced some orange juice. I immediately stopped that. But you know what I mean? Like, we don't judge anyone. But the fact is that he is now a public figure that people follow for advice going into the carnivore community. He's one of those big ones. Mm. So what we're saying is that basically, if you have 100 pounds to lose and you want to get into carnivore and then you find out that, oh, potatoes and orange juice and honey I love those. And those are all pre-approved by this carnivore influencer. You know what? I'm just going to do that. You're going to run into issues. You're not going to actually have the full carnivore experience where you're actually getting the benefits of carnivore, right? The whole purpose of carnivore is to get rid of sugar and carbs, right? Like that is how you're going to feel, right? The health that we're looking for is not how skinny, not how fat you are, not how many medications you are. How do you feel? Like, can you honestly like ask someone and just be like, Hey, like, how do you feel? You know, like, shouldn't that be like what our doctors are asking and what people are asking each other Mm -hmm. and maybe giving an honest answer. But the whole point is that this whole thing, glucose and potatoes, like if I did that, I would definitely gain weight. I would feel awful. Like I can't, for example, like potatoes can wreak havoc. And this guy seems like he already has the body and everything where he probably didn't lose a hundred pounds and come from a place where he needed to do that. Or maybe he's so far into his carnivore journey years in that now he can reintroduce these things at a certain percentage, a certain amount and keep everything at bay. So that's great. Mm -hmm. But one thing we do know, Josh, is that I actually read through, reread through Sean Baker's book uh, yesterday. And I got to the point uh, where they were talking about the glucose and the vitamin C. So for anyone, I guess, who is like, you know what, you guys, carnivore community, y'all are crazy. Y'all going to get scurvy because yeah. you don't have vitamin C, right? Yeah. Okay. So to debunk that really quick, number one, there actually is amounts of vitamin C that are found in fresh meat, specifically beef. It was discovered, someone's already researched this. It was actually discovered that the USDA was actually not testing for vitamin C because they said, why should I test for vitamin C? That's only in fruits, right? Well, it's actually found in beef, right? So that was one thing. And I think like liver as well, right? So that's one thing to debunk there. Additionally, the amount that was found, like the vitamin C amount that was found in you know this fresh meat, um, it was sufficient for people that were not eating glucose and carbs and other things. Because what Mm. happens is when you follow a more low carb, 
animal-based, no sugar diet, you're actually able to absorb more vitamin C. So you can actually eat less vitamin C because you're actually able to efficiently use it in your body, right? So what happens is, as we know as well, and this is why we have a bone to pick with carnivore Aurelius, (laughs) is that vitamin C and glucose, right? Vitamin C is absorbed in through your intestines, right? Glucose actually competes directly with vitamin C to get absorbed into you, right? So if you're eating high amounts of glucose, chances are you're going to have a very difficult time being able to actually get a proper amount of vitamin C absorbed, right? So, you know, this was actually discovered back in way back in the day by Arctic explorers. There've been so many other people or researchers into like, you know, the all meat diet, et cetera, but the Arctic explorers and the people that actually, um, sorry, let me back up. So the sailors that actually got scurvy, they were eating like cured meats and stuff Mm. like Mm. cured meats and like starchy grains and stuff like that. Drinking alcohol as well. (laughs) Yeah. But the point is, is that not fresh meat, like cured meats and stuff like that, they don't have any vitamin C. Mm. So Arctic explorers who actually had availability of fresh meat to kill, they actually were able to get the vitamin C because they had the fresh meat, the fresh liver, et cetera, right? You eat like the whole animal. Um, so I thought that was very interesting uh, to see that like the fresh meat versus like, you know, uh, prosciutto or, you know, yeah. like whatever, like it's a big difference. Yeah. And again, like, I mean, to sort of tie a bow on this amazing episode that you need to carve your own path on this diet. It's like, yeah. you just need to figure out, I'm not saying that glucose is bad because if you can handle it go for it. Um, there's no doubt it has amazing benefits in the gym. There's, there's been tons of research to suggest that. I'm not saying that, but just find what works for you. It, it takes time. But the beautiful thing is, is that like we've said, beef is baseline. You can always just go back to the baseline and just, and just go back yeah. to the point where you, where you, where you comfortable with what you're eating, you you're feeling good. And then you start adding in things and you just see what works from there. Yeah. I will say just one thing to add, since you're talking about like image and stuff is that (laughs) I have noticed that like a lot of people that are just like in the health community, like you ever got into your doctor's office and they're like 300 pounds and they definitely are just like, not okay. (laughs) And you're like, so you're going to be the one who gives me health advice. Wait, let me get this straight. Like, I'm pretty sure like our minister of health for like the U S is just like, overweight which looks super unhappy like not living their best life right so like if you ever are like i guess it's twofold you have to be careful if people are like editing their photos right if they're making themselves look better right mm-hmm. like if you see people using a bunch of filters and stuff like that and then the health community like take note of that like you yeah. probably don't want to be following them because chances are they probably don't look that healthy and maybe they're hiding it with a face filter or like whatever mm-hmm. But like, just be, I guess, like cautious, like who you believe in and, you know, Mm. like, don't they say like, don't meet your heroes or something, but (laughs) um, yeah, just be like conscientious of like who you're taking your advice from. Right. And question everything, like literally question everything. If you're in a doctor's office and they're like, Hey, you know what? Your cholesterol is a little bit high. Um, I want to put you on like lisinopril, which is going to bring down your cholesterol. Be like, 
why do I have an oversized waist? Are my triglycerides an issue? Um, am I like a certain age? Like there's so many other factors to like having a heart attack that having a little bit of a cholesterol over is not a reason to put you on the number one pharmaceutical drug in the US right now, mm. right? I, I don't quote me on that. I'm not sure, but it's like- Probably, probably is. Apparently it's, <laughs> yes. But my whole point is that as well, like you also have to remember, ask your doctor, well, how accurate are these blood tests? Because mm. as we know, and it's been proved, depending on what you eat, several days leading up to a blood test can drastically change the difference in an hour of what your blood test shows. Mm. So they're not even accurate. So all I'm saying is that before you let a doctor prescribe you a medication, ask the hard questions, look into the, the medication, reach out to a friend, you know, and maybe talk to them. Maybe they're in the carnivore community, but don't just take a doctor's advice. Just like, like that, mm. right? Like question everything. That's kind mm. of my advice, I guess, for today. Question everything, you guys. <laughs> Meet people in person to validate yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, not exactly what we wanted to talk about, but like we definitely hit a lot of different topics as we always do. Definitely. Yeah. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. And if you have yeah, any questions well, or things that you want us to cover in the next episode, please send them our way. We'd be happy to, to look into them and discuss them. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening. Remember to like, subscribe, comment, let us know. Um, you know, if you, I'm laughing at the comments thing. <laughs> Do you want to touch on that or no? Oh, okay. Okay. I'll, I'll quickly, I'll finish on this, but I got yeah. a few interesting comments on my blog this morning from somebody that, uh, that, that read one of my articles that I wrote on, on, I titled it, it was a very clickbaity title. It was titled The, yeah. the Animal Based Keto War Diet. <laughs> and nice. uh, yeah, anyway, I got, a, I got a few rude comments to, to start my morning. But, you know, when I, when I see comments like that these days, um, I just send back hearts and love and I just say, cool, I get you. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> if someone's going to like comment and say, could you imagine someone saying those things in person? It's like because they're behind a computer, people can just say whatever they want and they have no balls. Exactly. That's what I think. You're a coward. If you're like behind the computer, just like spreading hate, it's like, first of all, you probably need more hobbies because you have too much time on your hands. Yep. And you probably need some meat, probably. You just sun your balls if there. you have balls. Yeah. Eat some meat. <laughs> <laughs> what else? I don't know. But uh, yeah, I've gotten those too. And like, they're, they're kind of aggressive. Like if someone asked me, I had a picture of my dog and she like went through and like commented on all my photos and she was a vegan. I'll just go oh out gosh. and say that vegans are always very angry. Like, we could maybe get into I, this. I would love to, I would love to yeah. discuss this again. Yeah. This will be a separate episode, but just in <laughs> yeah. terms of comments, just literally went through all my pictures, just saying stuff like, I hope you die. Like, um, Oh, are you going to eat your dog too? Like too bad. You're going to eat your dog or something like a picture of my dog. And I'm like, Yo, girl, you want to barbecue them together? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but all we're saying is that ignore the haters. Mm. Do you? If you're if you have haters, you must be doing something right. Yeah, definitely. Well, cool. Well, we'll end on that. Everyone. Oh, and also kill them with kindness. Yeah. If people want to hate on you. Don't hate back. Just kill them with kindness. 
And be kind to yourself. Peace. Yes. Yes. Peace. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Okay. Well, cool. Thank you everyone for listening. Let us know if there's anything um, that you want us to talk about in the future. I'm sure we'll get into social media, uh, people in the carnivore community, stuff like that. Um, yeah. And go a little further into that topic. Cheers. Okay. Cheers. Have a good day, everyone.